Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm Peter Hostrosser, your co-host of Going Beyond the Score series. Allie Privet will be here in a minute. Just wanted to say thank you so much for hanging out with us today and uh, chatting. Uh, if you have a moment, head over to disrupteducation.co or connect with Allie and I in the links. I got to tell you, we're working on some great things. We are helping organizations figure out where do you want to start disrupting. Uh, Allie and I are change agents, and we understand that there's a lot of talk around change, uh, but that's part of the reason why this whole series is created so that people can understand what are people doing, right? Allie and I will be able to facilitate and open up your world to, you know, different ways to move from conversation to action when it comes to change, not only in schools, but in other organizations. So check out our uh, connects in the uh, notes of this podcast, and we'd be happy to help you out. Uh, also, we are a proud member of the Ed Up Experience Podcast Network. Head over to edupexperience.com. That's a great place to check out all kinds of different people talking about education and interviewing people who are doing things just like us here at Disrupt Education. On this podcast, I've got somebody who I've been wanting to get on this podcast, and Allie and I have a chance to talk to this amazing human being. His name is Ruben Harris. He is the CEO at Career Karma. What does that all mean? Well, I got to tell you, this guy is basically not sleeping on the, the new parts of how education is happening across the world. And uh, Ruben will share uh, his um, educational path, as well as a lot of new things that are coming up and a little bit more about career karma. Hang out with us. We'll be right back with Disrupting Education. Hey, Disrupt Education listeners, I wanted to talk about District Zero here for a minute. What is District Zero? It's a student-led social and emotional learning platform. I got to tell you, within the first 15 days that I've used this in my classrooms, I've empowered my learners to achieve self-awareness, resiliency, and improved emotional climate across the learner groups that I had in that classroom. I got to tell you, Uzair Hussein is the founder, and this is what he had to say about it. If you want to see self-awareness and improved emotional climate in your classroom within two weeks, try this program out. You can sign up right now. It's totally free to get going. Invite your kids and you're going to start to get that impact data. And if you feel like this is something in your organization or if your principal starts to see this data or your peers start to say, hey, this is something we'd like to keep moving forward, talk to this team. Get set up with their enterprise team. They're going to make sure that you guys are measuring the right KPIs, that you guys are getting to the right impact according to your school. You're also going to get measurable impact, which is something that gives your students something to work towards, whatever curriculum they're working on, whether you're a CS teacher, whether you're an arts teacher, all of our students are facing what are called blockers. And we all have different blockers, but this system will help your students and you as a leader, what are blockers and how to overcome them and how to keep moving forward towards our goals. So do yourself a favor, listen to the podcast here. And after you do that, head to the notes, check out the District Zero link, click on it and learn more about this amazing platform. Hey, it's Peter Hostrauser here. And hey, I want to tell you something about how I am actually disrupting education. Yeah, I'm moving forward with portfolios on spikeview.com. If you head over to spikeview.com, Basically, what we're teaching our students to do is actually to create a skills-based portfolio around their interests, their passions, and what they're good at. It's called the strength-based approach. So basically, what we do is we build up our students and have them understand what they're good at 
and what they're interested in by the time they leave our high school. But it doesn't stop there. It's a K through gray. So if you want your students to continue to build their strengths in this day and age where resumes are dying and to show more and more about who they are, what they do, and they actually control all the data behind it, guess what? SpikeView is the place for you. Head over to spikeview.com, check it out. Let me know if you need anything because I tell you what, I have used this with my own family and my students. Check out spikeview.com today. All right, welcome back to Disrupt Education. I'm Peter Hostrosser. I got Allie here. Allie, it's early morning in Italy. We've got a great guest today. How are you doing? Well, buongiorno from Italy. Yes, we do have a great guest. Um, Ruben, you scheduled this meeting for 1.30 a.m. Italian time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, uh, I'll let our guest uh, introduce himself here in a second. Um, We've got a couple more episodes here with me in Italy, so if you're tagging along on this whole Disrupt Education series podcast, uh, you are, are not being led out of the Italian experience here. <laughs> There'll be pictures. Uh, so, But yeah, we do have uh, Ruben Harris here, the CEO of uh, Career Karma. Um, wow, Ruben, it's, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Can you give us a little bit more of an intro uh, about who you are and uh, you know what you're doing with Career Karma and maybe a little bit of uh, educational past? Yeah, I mean, just, just commenting on Ali being in Italy, I think that's special because it just talks about this shared experience that we've all had uh, going through COVID, going into a recession where um, education has been forced to go online. Remote work has accelerated and a lot has changed since you and I first met, Peter. I know you're in Chicago right now, but um, you and I met in Oakland in the Bay um, during the Tech 2020 initiative, which I thought was special because I was before Career Karma existed. So for people that don't know um, what Career Karma is, is when I, when I met Peter, we were running a podcast called Breaking Into Startups, where we shared stories of everyday people that figured out how to break into tech. Um, it didn't matter whether they went to college or whether they were high school dropouts or if they were college dropouts, we made sure that we shared stories about how they broke into tech. And that led to us creating a, a company called Career Karma, uh, where we help job training programs find qualified applicants. Find a job training program online for people that want to break into tech. Um, we have about two and a half million people a month that come to us, mostly women and people of color. Um, and when I say technology, they don't want to just do software engineering. They want to do things like sales and customer success. And so uh, we've created a, a platform that is free for them, um, creates live audio room experiences to make sure that they're not just enrolling in programs, but have the peers, the coaches and the mentors that are going to help them complete the programs and, and find the job. Um, and through that process, we raised about $52 million in venture capital um, after doing uh, Y Combinator in 2019. This is wonderful. I love to see the evolution because I, uh, I think you were actually hosting. Um, you, were, you were the question, the person asking the questions and leading the conversation with the uh, Congressional Black Caucus. 
Um, I can't remember what community college we were at, but it was amazing. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to be there and meet you. Allie, you're talking about the, yeah. so you were at the round table one. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there I was mean, there was amazing people at that table. And just uh, wow, just a future. The future was in that that room. And, and it, it's really fun to see it evolve. So it's it's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, for, for the people that don't know, just so they understand who was in that room. Um, first of all, I like that you called out that I was the one asking the questions because something that we talked about on the podcast is like either you're at the table or on the table getting eaten. And it's like very important for us to make sure that um, the right people are at the table, the right voices are at the table. So we had the worker voice represented at the table, uh, which is very important. We had the government voice represented at the table. We had, um, the community college voice, like uh, uh, Eloy Oakley, mm -hmm. community colleges, he was there. You know, the, the community college system has put more people into middle class than any other institution. I think that's important to call out, um, even though a lot of people think career college is anti-college because we focus on skills first initiatives, but that was at the table. Co-Path was at the table, which is working with colleges. Um, and then boot camps were at the table and a lot of skills first people were at the table in addition to myself which was the pre-career come at the table so um it's important for us to all be working together on solutions and i just want to call out that that importance on collaboration yeah i, yeah. I felt like i won the lottery when i walked in and was able to just view listen to that um live and i know you were broadcasting out um ali you get the first question <laughs> what do you what do you want to ask it it seems like you know you have this beautiful, you know, framework to help people. You know, you have career karma. Um, you have you have this platform. Like, where did this passion for this lane stem from? You know, like, can you give us a little background on like why even do this work? You know, we're here on disrupt education. Like, you know, that what you are doing is is that work. So, what's kind of like a why for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. I think the best, personally, I think the best ideas come from your lived experience. And, you know, my lived experience, um, whether we're talking about tech or finance or anything, since I started educating myself, came through connecting with people that opened doors for me and shared educational programs that helped me get the skills that I need in order to not just uh, do well at that job, but also communicate who I am and what I'm able to do. So it's the the shorter answer is it's the product that I wish that I had when I was breaking into tech. Um, you know, my my co-founders did boot camps, my brother did boot camps. You know, Y Combinator is technically a boot camp for entrepreneurs. Um, and as we started to see the world change, like we talked about earlier with COVID and and the recession, it's clear. When you look at reports like McKinsey's talking about 375 million workers needing to switch careers between now and 2030, that they're not going to go back to college. They're going to rely on job training programs to find their next jobs. And what that means is not that college is going to go away, but college itself is going to launch its own version of job training programs that are shorter, faster, and cheaper. So it's it's. It's a product of, of what I wish that I had when I was breaking the tech. And the challenge that a lot of people face is as more and more courses are introduced, that landscape is confusing. 
and the wrong decision has a high cost of failure, not just from a money perspective, but from a time perspective. And we're in a, in a, in a time where we don't have that type of time. We don't like this, this need is urgent. And so um, I, I'm on fire to make sure that people are making the right decisions for their, for their careers. Four years uh, in on career karma, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, you're, you're doing what a, what a lot of people are looking at, or, or there's a lot, there was a lot of ideas at the table. There's a lot of people uh, talking about some different things. Um, I, I want to start with um, in that, in that beginning, um, there's, there's a lot of educators out there uh, that are in a position of, I know everybody overuses this term, but pivoting and trying to change um, different ways. They feel stuck. They know like the way Ali and I met um, was through kind of, you know, connecting and trying to change the way that we do. Uh, I would say a static system that hasn't moved around that much um, until COVID came along. And now we're all trying to figure things out. Can you talk us through some of the, the early like the early challenges that you had? Um, because there weren't that many boot camps, or maybe there were. Um, I, you know, I'm very familiar with Lambda now, Bloom Tech, uh, and uh, you know, uh, a couple other ones. Um, but uh, how how did you start um, this whole journey? I like that you said four years in because it's the longest job that I've ever had in my life. Um, I think that, <laughs> and it, it, it's interesting because um, you know the average tenor in tech is actually one to two years, like, but we're, and when you think about how um, the world has changed outside of like online education and, you know, remote work, um, we're entering into like the, the end of occupational identity, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, you can be multiple things in your lifetime, right? So, you know, usually when you introduce yourself to someone, you know, they might ask you, you know, who you are, where you went to school, where you grew up. Um, but like, what do you do? Right. So what do you do? Well, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm an educator. But like, what, what if you are a teacher and now you're a software engineer? What are you now? All right. Or, and then like, then you did something else. Right. So you're you're just who you are. You're Peter. You're, you're Ali. Right. That can do whatever they want to do in their life. And so. Um, that in and of itself is like a challenge to communicate this mindset shift. Like one of our guiding principles is, is, is always be learning. And when you think about, um, our mission, which is to connect the world's talent to its next opportunity, you have to help people understand that there is always a new opportunity and something else that's probably going to change is like, of retirement i know that that's like fighting worse than some people but like just even just look at 401ks right now they're really more like 40ks right it's like it's like not doing so well right so 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 like when you think about that i think it's important to study areas like um japan and and okinawa like they have this word called ikigai like in, in, Japan, in Japan, there's actually not even a word for retirement, right? The, and ikigai is translated as the reason for living. And most people, I would argue, aren't 
doing what they love, right? And how do you help people figure out what they want to do in life so that it's their reason for living or that gets them closer to their reason for leaving? Um, and the first challenge that we had to face was attracting people so we could educate them through demand, like so through SEO and SEM, segmenting them based off of what they want to do if they know what they want to do and then matching them to the right training programs. Um, and that started off just by inviting people into our home, organizing events, doing a podcast, you know, doing media, doing, doing other podcasts like this. Um, and then eventually investing heavily into content and, and, and then creating a whole platform that got us to where we are. I would say, um, the typical things that you hear about from a challenges perspective, like with fundraising, um, yeah, fundraising is challenging just like everybody. Um, but we've been blessed in that department. I wouldn't say that's our biggest challenge. I would say now that we are a larger organization that has a, a mission of helping a billion people, when you're trying to serve, I think get really good at communication. They get really good at speaking to people across time zones. Like we actually have people that work for Career Common, 23 countries, United States, LESSC, you know, one that would work at 1 a.m. Or, or if it's Friday in, in the U.S., you know, the Philippines is working on, you know, on another, on the day ahead, right? So there's like a bunch of things that you have to deal with. Um, and now that we're starting to work with employers, how do you keep this really powerful consumer base that has, gotten to a point where if you Google how to get a job at Goldman Sachs, we pop up as number one to and leverage it to start working with an employer that's a bank that's investing in technology and then using education benefits for their people to really create a platform so that after they get their first job, they continue to get that education benefit invested into them, similar to like healthcare benefits for them. There's so many, so many nuggets in there. People are listening closely um, for the startup here. Okay, so I have to ask this question because it's really like what even sparked us um, trying to get you, uh, you know, to, to have, have, have us be in all these different times and connect um, was an article that you shared about um, business schools seeing a decline in their enrollment. Okay, so when what we're talking about here often on the podcast is, you know, like what are different options for students and like why why is education moving at a begrudgingly slow pace? You know, like why can't we adopt new models, you know, and just put it out there? I really like the picture that you painted with, you know, um, this conference that you and Peter met at with there was the right people in the room. But, you know, what do you see as you know, some of the challenges that a traditional university college or even going below that public school face as their own challenges to retain students in their you know, educational sphere. Uh, and why, why are we seeing this decline? You know, what that from your perspective? Very curious. I mean, your question made me realize that I didn't fully answer Peter's question, so I'm going to answer both of them. Where um, in the early days, um, you know, there was only a few boot camps. Um, but the things that they did really well is they focused on a specific skill set, 
and their the way that they evaluated their quality wasn't a certificate or a graduation. It was outcomes driven. It was like, did they get you a job? So like that was like the early days. So when we're thinking about the types of schools that we work with, they had to have a, a history of outcomes. So they had to have jobs. But they also had to have online options. So like we were talking about this even pre-COVID, like we're like, they have to have an online option. Why was that important? Because on accessibility matters, right? And if you look at the average age of a student, it's not just a 18, 17-year-old anymore. It's like 25, 35-plus-year-olds that are going to college or looking for post-secondary education. What does that mean? That means that they probably got other obligations. They got family. They got life needs, right? So they need to have a part-time option or a self-paced option. Um, so outside of part-time self-paced, you also have a number that a lot of people are familiar with, which is $1.8 trillion in student loans, right? So you know, a lot of people don't have the money to go to college, first of all, or a boot camp, And they already have, and they don't want to take on more. So, you know, the other thing that we look for, and I'm getting to your question, Ali, the other thing- oh, that, you're fine. <laughs> the, other, the other thing that, that people are looking for is, you know, does this have a, we, we wanted to have an either deferred tuition model where you don't have to pay anything unless you get a job or an ISA model where um, it's similar. You don't pay anything unless you get a job and the tuition comes out of your new salary. Um, except deferred tuition is more of a fixed monthly payment when you're done and you get a job. And the um, income share agreement option is a percentage of your salary. Okay. I say all of this because when you think about the purpose of college and uh, an MBA, a lot of people will give you different answers historically before the pandemic. But after the pandemic, people will tell you, why do people go back to college during recession? It's to make more money. Is this going to get me a job? And the fact of the matter is pre-pandemic, college already had a 61% completion rate or 60% completion rate and a 41% uh, of recent grads were underemployed, right? And also there was this huge resistance from higher education about whether they could go online, very similar to remote work. But when the pandemic hit, everybody's magically figured out that they could go online <laughs> and then they go online, but then they don't really know how to facilitate online education very well. And the students that historically were interested in those schools are like, do I pay $50,000 or, or a lot of money to go to a school with no guarantee of an education that's only going to give me a, a, a degree, but I'm not sure if it's going to give me a, a, a job? You know, so it, it was called into question. So that's on the college side. But on the MBA side, even more so, if, you, if you're getting your MBA, leadership or trying to find your life partner or a break in life. Sometimes you're looking for a break in life by looking for some soul searching, but you're really going to your MBA or graduate school because you want more money, period. Like you, want to hire, you want a higher title, you want to get promoted, you want more money. So um, the answer to your question is um, that was affected during the pandemic, um, but now you're starting to see colleges also think about how boot camps 
uh, the bootcamp model, which is more project-oriented, outcomes-oriented, jobs-oriented. See a lot of partnerships with employers so that that um, career services side is, is figured out. So we're in the secondary area. And so I'm going to reel it back into the secondary, and we'll just call it the public school system as it looks now. Because mm -hmm. um, we're hoping for change. We're hoping for... Well, a lot of things that, that you're mentioning in, in post-secondary opportunities to come to a place across the board that's equitable in the secondary systems that we have. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you see there? What, what are, in what ways do you think that secondary ed must change and would also, you know, if you could rank like your top three things now, and then maybe some wish list things after that? It's a good question because secondary is not my lane, which I think is good because I'm going to give you my naive answers. Um, sometimes school parties can be more creative. Um, before, um, when we first, before we started Career Karma, we did an interview with a guy named Rodney Urquhart, who's a high school dropout, right? And from what I understand, there's seven out of high school every year. Right? So I think I think there's a, a big opportunity to reach them, like if you can, like to have a route, have an option for them. Um, and very similar to like the people that have some college and no degree. Um, there's like 30 million plus people like that. And I would assume there's millions of people in secondary there in a similar place and show them a list of employers that will pay for education straight up. Like, because, you know, what we're going through right now is history repeating itself. If you look at the days before the GI Bill and the, you know, the 1920s, you know, the roaring 20s play um, and the creation of like apprenticeships and helping people get back to work, people would go straight from high school straight into employment. Like college, colleges are early this is a newly created thing. So the, the short answer is I would create pathways that go direct to employment versus going direct to college, number one. Number two, I would encourage um, employers to actively foster um, like actively embrace that model as well. So you have a lot of employers that are dropping the requirement to have a college degree in a job. Um, but even at boot camps, um, a lot of them, the minimum age is 21 and up. But I think that um, making 18 and up education and employment normal, is probably a good idea these days. Uh, and how can we get the governments and nonprofits involved um, to encourage um, apprenticeships and, and internships from from um, from people early on? Because even if you do plan on going to college, um, you know there is a if you can create a similar model that you do in college, in, where in your junior year you get this internship and then by your senior year you get a, a job offer. How do we give practical job experience to juniors and then give them job offers by their senior year of high school so that 
they have practical work experience um, that'll that'll get them the way the way they want to go. Last thing, I know you said only three. I would say is um, stop talking about resumes so much and start focusing on portfolios because just because you got a diploma or 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 a degree um, does not mean that you actually have the skill and you need to teach people to prove that they have skills. And the last last thing that I'll say is, uh, is um, focus on teaching people how to communicate and interpersonal dynamics. The reason why that's important is not just for job interviews, but in a remote driven world, writing is a superpower. Um, being able to um, use emoji and video and audio and gifts are all superpowers. Learning how to communicate, like how to use social media, not as a waste of time, but to curate, um, create personal brands, I think is really powerful. So that's, that's, not, that's what I would say. So when are you starting this school, man? Because you're right on, man. <laughs> Allie, what do you think? Yeah, I think that really leans into what you said earlier as uh, occupational hazards or no, occupational, the lack of occupational identities. Mm -hmm. And I I think the reason my brain just said hazards, besides it being 2 a.m., okay, um, <laughs> is that isn't it an occupational hazard and crisis for these kids not to get that experience if, if that's the route that they want? I think that the traditional model, it, it, the college model, I'll call it, even though it's new, it seems to be, I'll, I'll speak from, when I was in the classroom and Peter, when you're in the classroom, there's so many kids that, and their parents and like the culture is like, well, you, of course you have to go to college. It's like stripping this crazy, you know, it's like a hazard to do anything other than like go to college. Right. So I guess my thoughts are around, you know, how do you help besides, I mean, obviously start a career karma, you know, mm -hmm. help people see that there are other lanes, you know, than, than this, this traditional model and this more fluid model that like work is designed to help you live and 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 learn and it's like an ongoing thing and you don't have to be one identity mm -hmm. um so we need you in um <laughs> in secondary in, in secondary well, well related to what you're saying i think um i think storytelling matters you know when you said hazards, I started thinking about things that people are exposed to when they're in secondary school um, that could lead them in different directions that are fast money, I'll say. Um, and how can you show that same individual that might be looking for fast money um, that you can get fast money in other ways, right? In the in legal ways, right? Um, and the only way to do that really is by showing that to them, because part of the reason why they might go for the fast money is because that's the only route that they know, right? And it may not be illegal. It may be music. It may be sports. It may be you know acting. But that's because they see it. They see that's that's what's visible. Like, oh wow, this this 
there's TikTok stars making all this money. There's YouTube, like they're making all this money. So I actually don't need to go to school. So I'm gonna do this, right? Nothing wrong with this, like being an entrepreneur, great. But like it's similar like to trying to get into the NBA. You can go for it. There's millions of people that try every year, but the slots are like maybe 25 slots. And that and you're putting an, a lot of effort into that. So how do you take calculator risk? Still go for the NBA, but also like learn this too. Right. And I think the only way you're going to teach people that there's these other routes, like, is by storytelling. Most people don't know, like, what a Y Combinator is or what a Teal Fellowship is or what all, like, where they'll actually pay you to drop out of school. I'm not saying drop out of school. I'm just saying just like, know that there's other paths that also don't require you to code. Right. So you don't have to just be yourself. Like, Sales is the highest paid job in the world. And a lot of that fast money means that you have really good sales skills and really good distribution skills. So the format of high school, um, I'm not sure if you went to a high school that was public, private, um, I had eight periods a day or something like that. Um, it is very, we still have a lot of traces of the past of the industrial model. Um, in that kind of model, do you... I think what, what had happened in high schools across the nation is they saw what colleges were doing and they just tried to drive everybody into it. There's monetary values. There's a lot of different politics involved in that. I don't want to go down that route, but do you see the the, the way that a high school day looks differently in, in, uh, in the future? It's a good question. Um, so to answer your question about my background, my, my mother went to public school, but I, I went to... Uh, a very small, small high school had a hundred students, but it didn't have the traditional, um, you know, structure of a, of a high school from a like periods and subjects matter. Um, in addition to a few other things like you know faith and stuff like that, um, ethics things like that. Um, but I also am a Montessori kid, so so I went to Montessori. Um, and the reason why I bring up Montessori is because, like, if I was going to, like, change high school, I would probably take a lot of the elements in Montessori and move it to the secondary education. Because, like, a lot of the elements in Montessori are also very similar to the boot camp model, too. Or, like, which also higher ed is adopted, where... You know, you're top, you're in mixed ace classrooms, first of all, right? Which is not the case currently with high school, right? You have like different ages for ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. Um, you have small classroom environments, like I just told you, I was in small classrooms. So you have like really good student teacher ratios. So people can give you the guidance, right? Which is very similar to how we think about it in career economy. Even though we want to help a billion people, we want to have these like, small group so in secondary like how do we create really optimal student teacher ratios and in in Montessori you're taught to be an independent person that is um, mindful of your community and your relationship with education or like what you're learning is is less about getting a, a job and getting money and like how you can serve the community and make it better, right? So outside of like being defined by a role, outside of getting money, outside of getting a skill, like 
who are you and why are you here on earth and how are you contributing to society? Um, Montessori is all about learning through play as well. Like how can you learn and make it fun? Like do, do what you love, same type of thing. So in high school, how can we figure out what the kids of Chicago love or what they want? Right. Well, example in Chicago's music, right? Where um, there's a great artist, music artist scene. You have Lil Durk, you got G Herbo, you have Chief Keefe, you got Kanye, you have all these people. Lupe Fiasco, Chance the Rapper. You have all these artists that you're familiar with. And because you're familiar with them, um, you might want to become a sound engineer. So you're actually going to teach yourself how to use a MacBook. You can teach yourself how to use the Pro Tools. You can teach yourself how to do all these things that are computer driven. And you are a for real engineer learning how to use software and hardware to create high quality music that reaches millions and billions of people. So the reason why you're driven to do that is because you're passionate about it. Right. So in high school, how can we um, first of all understand? what the kids care about and like, and then teach subject matter around that, right? So with music, you have music theory. You could teach a lot of math related to music theory. There's history. You could talk about the history of music in Chicago, right? There's, um, I don't know, we can pick any, anything you want to pick related to, to a, a subject matter for people um, and teach them in that regard so that they're, so that they're interested in it. And I think that's that's why the bootcamp model works so well is because you're like very focused on what you want to learn. And I actually think all of our education systems are gonna move towards this a la carte thing where you had a certain phase in life. And I like, it's like a video game. I gotta like get this school, this tool to like unlock, open up this door, right? So. I know when you're describing it, I was actually picturing like, if you've heard of Mav Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I was thinking it's like really the purpose of school is the way you were just kind of describing it. And then beyond school and like your job and your career is to figure out like who you are and, you know, what you value and, and how you serve people. And it's much more community, maybe local driven. I like how, you, you know, what you're trying to do with your companies, right? It's like, yes, we want to serve a billion people, but we still want to stay small within that. And that just really paints a beautiful model that um, anybody listening to this podcast could really try and take a piece of and think, well, how could I self-actualize more? How could I, you know, beyond like, right, like what you're saying, like with fast money and, and, and all these things that we could chase and how could we still work on self-actualizing and um, uh, just growing through play and through exploration and through all the, all the things you listed. So yeah. those are some yeah. of my reflective thoughts. One more thing related to what you said just now is like, um, while, when you're learning through play, you know, his, typically the way schools are structured, you have not just, large classroom sizes or a teacher lecturing to a classroom but like you have a lack of understanding of the way people learn so everybody doesn't learn the same way but if you do align things on like what people are passionate about and this kind of like learning through play model 
people will learn how they learn, which I think is like one of the most important skills that you can learn in life because then you know how to learn anything and create good habits around anything. Um, and I think the other thing that's cool about um, like a Montessori type format for a secondary education is like, if you can break things from a structured classroom format where this is what you have to get done in the day and do it however you want, that's actually going to, I'm not saying that that's how Montessori is structured, by the way, but it's how a lot of companies are structured now. It's like, it's not nine to five. It's like, here's your work, do it. And then, you know, you have like some meetings that happen where you're checking in to talk about what you did, but it's not always done in real time, you know? You know, as, as you were speaking about, you know, the music industry, um, I actually just got, I, not personally, but the students, we were, we were uh, playing some, some music and uh, I'm older. So, uh, you know, I'm more the, uh, you know, Chance and, and those guys. So he is like a uh, little Dirk um, just came to mind. So um, now I get to tell my kids, yeah, I was on a podcast yesterday with uh, there's mentioned little Dirk. So old man Pete here gets it. So, um, but, uh, but, you know, to your point there, um, even even with the students that I have who, uh, you know, have those big aspirations for those one of 25 spots in the NBA or wherever, um, you know, helping them understand, hey, look, if you don't make the league, guess what? There's a lot of jobs around the league, right? Like there, there's a lot of different things there. And that really does open up capacities. But I want to uh, round out um, by, number one, thanking you so much for taking the time uh, out uh, of your busy, busy schedule. Um People can connect with you at careerkarma.com. Is there another place as well where uh, you're, you're cro- you post some amazing stuff? I'll, I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I use a lot of it uh, teaching myself and and uh, the learners around me. Where else can people connect with you, uh, Ruben? Thank you. Yeah, so um, it's my name, R-U-B-E-N, at careerkarma.com. Uh, um, sorry, that's the, that means that the time is about to be done. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Ruben at careerkarma.com. Uh, twitter.com slash Ruben Harris. Um, same thing for Instagram. It's just my name everywhere. Same thing for LinkedIn, especially. So just just tap in. Um, send me a message. I'm probably the most accessible person, and because I really I like I like I like to help. I like yeah. to help, and I, I enjoy seeing people become better than me. Um, so. If you want to help a billion, if you want to be a billionaire, help a billion people. It's not even about being a billionaire. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we accumulate resources to redistribute them again? Because money is not an end, it's a means. So, you know, that's that's my focus. I love that. Ali, you're tired. We got to get you to bed in Italy. <laughs> and uh, Ruben, thank you so much for being here with us. I want to thank our listeners uh, for listening to Disrupt Education. Check out, uh, we'll have all the links uh, below. Um, And thank you so much for hanging out with us.